0: prophets spoke out in the Old Testament to call the people into right relationship with God. That message was powerful and changed the world at that time. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. We're starting a new series called Minor Prophets, Major Messages. The message of the prophet speaks into our lives today just as strong. They are words of encouragement, direction, challenge that can change our hearts and fill our minds with unshakable hope. Enjoy the message. Story uh, of a couple that was all excited because they found out that My Fair Lady was playing on Broadway. So they lived in Atlanta. They purchased their tickets that were hard to get. And uh, they got their travel plans. And the day came. They landed in New York. And that evening, they made their way over to the, the wonderful theater. They sat in their seats, and the husband sat there, and he just looked around. He could not believe how packed it was in there to see uh, My Fair Lady. And uh, the whole time, as he's watching the first half of, of, of the play, he's, he's realizing that there's not an empty seat in the house except for the one right next to him. And he couldn't help but to think throughout the play, like, like why, why this seat? Why is it empty? And sure enough, uh, at intermission, he leaned over, a couple of seats over, and he looked at the lady and he said, hey, can I bother you for a second? Like, like, has this empty seat, like, got your, your curiosity up? Like, like, why, of all the seats in the place, is this one empty? She goes, oh, she goes, that's my husband and I's tickets. And uh, he goes, oh, well, sorry, sorry, Why your husband couldn't make it? And she goes, no, 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 he, he recently passed away. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm so sorry. And she goes, Well, you know, he goes, like you couldn't find a friend to just kinda bring comfort to you and sit here in the play. And she goes, Well, no, because they're all at his funeral right now. Today we're talking about priorities. I'm not saying she had them or didn't have them. I'm just saying we're going to talk about priorities. Because we're closing out a series that actually has been uh, just a great challenging series for me. But uh, the series has been Minor Prophets with what? Oh, Minor Prophets with what? Major. Major Messages. And I don't know about you, but these clean pages that we call the last 12 chapters of the New Testament or the Old Testament I should say they're not they're they're they're, they're amazing and how they speak and, and and apply to our lives here today in 2019 amen so today it's it's no different as we close out this series we're going to we're going to look at a prophet that's really going to be asking this question where are your priorities or how are your priorities let's pray god uh, it's good to be in your house, and I, I want to thank you for the worship team. That uh, every week, these individuals get up early. Um, they they practice throughout the week, and I pray God that you would bless them as they have blessed us. God, I thank you for each person that's sitting here, and as we talk about priorities. Um, It'd be easy to go out and enjoy the beautiful weather today. And yet each one of these people have chosen what is most important and that's to come and to give you praise and to dig into your word. God, I'm praying that you help me, that you would help us to see into your heart and mind today. And God, I would ask that you would Help us to grab a hold of your truth to put it not only in our hearts and our minds, but put it into our lives in action. And may we walk out of here changed people because we've been in your word. God, I love you and we love you. In the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. So as I shared uh, about prophets, prophets had a special insight into the heart and mind of God. They were called by God to then share that special insight with his people. And over and over again, we see throughout the 12 prophets, and maybe we'll do another series down the line of some of the prophets that we didn't hit, but we're going to see a a theme that, that continues through all of the prophets and I think you've seen this theme, but I want to remind you, like I shared the first week when we looked at Jonah, the prophets had this theme that, that, that worked all of its way through all 12 prophets, and one of those themes was, God is God, is God and you're not. Um, another message is that God hates sin, and have you seen that? In each one of these prophets, we've seen that God hates sin. We also have seen in all these prophets that, that God is a, an amazing God of love and particularly last week when we saw that passage where, where, where everyone is turning their back to God and God has asked Hosea to marry Gomer, right, the prostitute and he marries her and then she goes and turns her back on her husband and goes back to her old ways and you remember that line that That God says, Hosea, you need to go back to her and love her like I love the Israelites who have also turned their back on me. You see this theme throughout all of the minor prophets, that God has an amazing love. Another theme in all the uh, prophets is this, that God wants us then to turn our back to him, or not turn our back, turn back to him. Let me make sure this is clear. God wants us to stop turning our back to him and turn back to him. Amen? And then lastly, and I haven't really hit on this. I just kind of skimmed it every week. But, but, but Christ is in every prophet's message. There's this foretelling of this Messiah that is coming. And so today, we're going to take a look at our last prophet, and we're going to take a look at Haggai. If you uh, have your Bibles with you, open up to Haggai. If you don't, raise your hand. These fine gentlemen are going to make their way down. Uh, We believe this is God's Word. Amen? Amen. And so uh, (laughs) if you don't know, just go towards the back of the Old Testament and work your way left a little bit. And just know this, you can miss Haggai really, really quick. Because it's the third smallest book in all of the Old Testament. I think it's Obadiah and Nahum that are a little bit shorter. So as I've done with every uh, prophet, uh, minor prophet, uh, I'm going to give you some background. So if you're taking notes, write this down. You could write down background. We don't know much about this prophet. We know that most likely he was born during the, uh, the, the, the um, uh, Judah's exile in, in Babylon, which would create a whole environment and atmosphere for him and explain maybe his heart and passion. His name means feast. My Feast, like I said, it's the third shortest book. Uh, uh, This is a a unique uh, book for this reason because really uh, we've talked about the, the message is often given to the northern kingdom or the southern kingdom or sometimes a little bit of both. But it really, in this, in this book here, it's not a long period of time like Hosea. This is a very short period of time in which, uh, uh, Haggai's a prophet and he's really directing his, um, words to two leaders. If you, if you look at Haggai chapter one, it says, "In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest." So, right there, were identified two two different leaders. One is Zerubbabel, which is a uh, who is a spiritual and political leader. That that moved and and led the first group of captives um, back to Jerusalem. So you imagine these people have taken been taken from their homeland, and, and then there's a long period of time where they're living uh, outside of their homeland under a, a heavy thumb, a heavy rule, and, and then here's here's uh, Zerubbabel gets the, the the privilege of taking back some of those first people back to their homeland. So this is this is Zerubbabel. But you got him. And then it's interesting, just a little side note in case you're on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And there's the final question uh, of what makes him unique, uh, this minor prophet. If you were to look at Luke 3.27, which we're not going to write now, but we're going to see his name is in the direct line of uh, the ancestry of Jesus Christ. I would say that makes him a little special, doesn't it? Again, there's a Christ type in in all of, uh, of the minor prophets. And then and then there's Joshua. We see uh, Joshua's introduced, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And, and as I shared last week, uh, an old proverb, it says that a fish rots from the head down. You remember that? Fish rots from the head down. We talked about leadership. And if you're going to go after a, a nation, really, or even a family or a church, it starts with leadership. Sorry, your business, it all starts with leadership. And oftentimes you will see when you look at history, uh, that the decline of anything starts from the head down. And this is why maybe, maybe God said, you know what, Haggai, I want you to talk to these leaders. I want you to go straight to these leaders and make sure that they understand what is important and what needs to happen right here, right now. Are you with me? Because just like where we've learned from every other minor prophet, there was, there was disaster. There was craziness. There was confusion. There was dishonoring God that was happening. But I want to put it in this way as I was thinking about this this week, because where we're talking about now, we see Zerubbabel takes the, 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 the people back to their homeland. They hadn't been there for a long time. And I thought, have you ever, have you ever gone on vacation? Like, 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 I mean, really on vacation, like outside of California. And maybe you're sleeping in tents for the first time, or you're in an RV, or maybe you're actually in a nicer hotel that's nicer than your room you know, at home. I don't know. But the environment's different, right? You, 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 you don't know how late everything's open. You don't know who has the good food and who has the bad food. You don't know the names of the streets. You're just in a, in a, in a place that you just don't know. I was thinking recently. I was just in Samoa with uh, nine of my friends from this church, and we're on a missions trip. I love Samoa. I've been there 10 times now. But, you know, you're sleeping in, in a different environment. Uh, you've, got, uh, you've got things crawling around that aren't normally crawling around. You, you're eating. Fast food is, is a little bit different. It's not a drive-up window. It's just that fast pig that you see running around that, that isn't cooked so fast in the ground that you're eating later that night. You know what I'm saying, right? It doesn't, it's not right or wrong. It's just different. And then when you come back, it's so good to be in your own home, right? You got your own restroom. You got your own bed. Whether it's good or not bad or it doesn't matter, it's your bed. And you know how late Mission Burritos open. You know when Cabaret is busy and you shouldn't go and when you can, right? You know all the ins and outs. There's something about home. So you imagine these people that have been away from home for so long, and now they get to go back home. But can you imagine being away for for, for like my my situation, a week in Samoa, and, and and just enjoying that time by going on the plane? I can't wait to get back home. And then you show up at home, and your whole neighborhood is destroyed. And then you walk up to your house and it's destroyed. And there's no more mission burrito. I keep saying that because it's about a minute from my house. Right? And, and, and there's just there's nothing that looks the same. And the closest I can remember, how many of you were here for the earthquake, the Northridge earthquake? Yeah, many of you. So do you remember that? I mean, it happened at like 4 o'clock in the morning. And so it was still dark. I can get all the details of where I was and my wife and my newborn. But when the sun came up, didn't your community look different? Like, like literally, uh, our house was, uh, that we were renting was red-tagged. You didn't just get red-tagged because a window broke. So you can imagine what our house looked like. I mean, walls fell down. And, and then I remember coming down into driving down Sherman Way right here, right where we're at. If you just go towards Topanga, do you remember on the other side of Topanga what that looked like? It looked like a war zone. And it broke your heart. And that's not even close to what these people would have seen when they came back to their home. And then the, and to make things matters worse is, is the temple of God was destroyed. This is where God lived. This is where we worship. This is where everything spiritual happened and it was crushed, demolished. And this is the environment in which Haggai is talking. Does that make sense? Now now it, now it now it gets a little personal, doesn't it? Cuz we could actually it smelled different when you drove down Sherman Way. It looked different. It sounded Different And all of this excitement about going home, all of a sudden, reality hit of home is a lot different. The infrastructure was no longer there. It would be like us not having any police and any medical service. I mean, it was bad enough. Do you guys remember? There wasn't even a restaurant open here in the valley. Well, this part of the valley. I'll never forget. Bobby's on Ventura was one of the first places that opened. (laughs) Amen. And Haggai's got to speak to this. And that's why God is saying, I want you to speak to these guys that, that brought the people over here. Because what happened, I haven't spoken about yet. They were shocked by everything that happened. They were heartbroken. But they were motivated. And you know what they started to do, according to Ezra? You read Ezra and it says they began to rebuild the what? They be- began to rebuild what? The temple. This is this is, this is The priority. It doesn't say that they began to rebuild their own homes. They, they began to rebuild the temple. Because this is what was important. This is what they were hungry for. This is what was missing in their lives. If you're taking notes, write this down. Priorities. Priorities. Remember how I started off the sermon giving a little story about the lady? And asking the question, where are your priorities? how are your priorities well look at look at Haggai's message that God gave him to share it's found in Haggai chapter 1 verse 2 this is what the lord almighty says these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the lord's house then the word of the lord came through the prophet Haggai is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while the house this house remains a ruin. now now let me catch you up because some of you think maybe this is right when they got back and all of a sudden they just got back to building their panel houses no there's about two year period of time in which they were building the temple of god and, and you can imagine day after day i mean if it's two years you got about 700 plus days right if i do my math correctly so, so they had the right priority, but as time went on and time, you know, began to lengthen and, and maybe they were a little discouraged or maybe they were like, you know what, we put enough time into this, we got to take care of ourselves. They, 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 their minds went from the things of God to the things for themselves. You go, gosh, Pastor, you're being a little harsh. No, because maybe you haven't read the rest of this. But do you see kind of what's happening here? Yes? No? As we're talking about priorities, God is saying, Haggai, you need to challenge them that they're taking care of their paneled houses when the house of God remains, what, in ruin." Have your priorities gotten out of whack? Loose translation of the Hebrew here. And you'll see throughout this book, you can read it in about two and a half minutes. It's short, but it's powerful. Over 20 times in these 38 verses, it says, the Lord says. And this is so important for you and I today. Make sure that this isn't a message about Rob Denton. Make sure this isn't a message about whether you agree with it or not. This is God's word. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I've shared this before. That's a messed up bumper sticker. It should say, God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. And we got to make sure we're not falling into this me Christianity. And when it works for me, praise God. And when it doesn't work for me, it's not relevant. This is his truth or it's not his truth. And over 20 times, Haggai makes it clear to the people, the Lord said... The Lord said. And so I need to open up my heart to what the Lord has said for me. I believe this is a wake up call. I don't think these are bad people because they're, I hope they're not because they're like me. I can identify with this. How about you? You give your life to the Lord and all of a sudden your mouth's cleaned up and your priors are cleaned up and, and you're, you're a better businesswoman or a better businessman or you're a better father or a better wife and, and you're driving the speed limit now and, and, and you're tithing and you're, you're, you're going to church and you're doing all these wonderful things and then what happens? Life. You guys know about it. Think about when you said yes to Christ if, if you're, you're a Christ follower in here. You were on fire for Jesus, Right? Praise God this and praise God that. And you got challenges, but that's okay. Jesus got my back. And then you wake up two years later and you're like, gosh, when's the last time I went to church? When's the last time I tithed? When's the last time I attended a life group? When's the last time I drove the speed limit? When's the last time I was honest on my taxes? Right? Because what? Life happens. That doesn't make us bad people, but our priorities get out of what? Whack. Am I the only one in here? Oh, thank you. (laughs) Next service, they're all perfect. That's why some of you have changed from second to first. No, no. But think about its priorities, and it doesn't make me bad. It doesn't make you bad. But we always need that adjustment, don't we? Don't we like going to the chiropractor? It's like, man, I didn't even know I was out of whack. My wife and uh, my youngest son, I think he was around nine years old because he's 11 now. A couple years ago, they're at a stoplight. Stoplight, it's red. Red means what? Stop. They were stopped there. But there was a young lady. She says she was eating some oatmeal, but... uh, I think she was texting. She ran straight into him about 40 miles per hour. So my wife and son went right through that little intersection. Praise God, it wasn't a crazy one. It's by our house, right at um, near uh, on Roscoe between Woodlake and uh, Fallbrook. There's that light by the ga- uh, by the fire station. But it messed up my wife's neck and back, and still still affects it. Easton, he 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 got shaken up, but uh, He's got a smashed thumbnail still that he'll go, that's from that accident. But um, do you think that woke them up? Just sitting there at a red light. Bam. I think about that when I read this this week. I feel like, you know, God's chosen people have now got back home. They had their priorities set. They were taking care of the temple, probably taking care of their houses at the same time. But life happened, and they forgot about God, and they God sent Haggai to give them a wake-up call. Now, church, I don't want to be rear-ended by God. How about you? I don't want to get to a place where I'm so far messed up in my priorities that he has to send a prophet And that's why I think today's a great day. I'm excited. Like, I I read this, and I wasn't threatened by it. I was encouraged to say, all right, Rob, where are you at? Are you still tracking with the Lord? Are your priorities still in line? And some of you will hear this message and go, yeah, I'm on track. Praise God. Amen? And some of us will go, wow. I didn't realize that I've kind of drifted. Where are your priorities? Priorities. Haggai got their attention. Have you guys gotten so busy with your life that you've forgotten God? Was the the summation of his message. You look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says give careful thoughts to your ways. Underline that. I think that's awesome. Give careful thoughts to your ways. That's all we're saying here today is it's an opportunity for to check out our life, to evaluate. Give careful thoughts to your ways. You have planted much, he said, but have what? Harvested little. You, you, (laughs) You eat, but you have never have what? Enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with what? Holes in it. These are some great thoughts that God has given an insight to Haggai to speak to the people and say, guys, you were over here and enslaved. I've brought you back to your homeland. You were doing so good. You put me number one again. And then all of a sudden, life has happened and you're doing all these things. But are you being satisfied? Are you content? And God is saying in this message, you guys don't have enough. And, and with your mindsets, you're never going to have enough. And then I go, Oh, crud. Isn't that true for 2019? That message of not being content, never having enough. Marketing at its best tries to create this in you. You don't have enough. And if you're a marketer and you don't create that in somebody, you're fired. Read, listen, watch everything that's out there in marketing. It is telling you, you don't have enough. And this is not new for us. It goes all the way back to Haggai 3,000 years ago. They were doing all of this stuff. They were adding to their houses. They were painting their houses. They were building uh, fields or, or plowing fields and, and producing crops. And never was it enough. And my friends, never will it be enough for us. If we take God out of the equation. So I want to say this just in case I don't get there. Paneled houses are not bad crops are not bad. Business owners are not bad. Stuff is not bad. It's only bad when it becomes our God. And it comes to the top of the list and puts God at the bottom of the list. That's when we are in trouble. Is that fair? So I want to make sure I got that out there I I do also want to give you a passage here. It's in Philippians. This is kind of like a bonus. And it speaks to this this heart of being content. I preached a sermon many, 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 many years ago called, uh, Which Tent Do You Live In? Content or Discontent? And the passage uh, was uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. And here's Paul. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be what? Content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content and in need in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And by the way, I could do all this through him who gives me strength. I love that because we misquote that last part. I can do all things through Christ. who so gives me strength, you know? But what is he saying? I could do all things. Whether I have a lot or a little, I could do anything. And, and, and I, I wonder if we get, and I get, lulled to sleep with this idea of needing more, and more, and more. Faster, faster, faster. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Or smaller, 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 right? Again, stuff is not bad, but when it replaces God Almighty, it's really bad. And he's just asking the question of the people, where is your priority? And in this particular passage in verse 1, 5, and 6, he's saying, when is enough enough, in my opinion? Give careful thoughts to your ways. Then he goes on in verse 7. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. And if I'm in the audience, I'm like, yeah, I've already heard this. No, give careful thoughts to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Because I'm God and you're not. That's my translation. Because of my house, which remains in ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have what? They've withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands now here's the reality church some would go oh gosh you, know, you talked about this loving god that's not loving can, can i ask you a question is god really being bad in what he's doing and saying Like if we're just looking at it from ourselves like, oh my gosh, how could you do that, God? How could you stop the rain so that now they don't have food and they don't have water and they don't have this and that? And if I'm God, I'm like, wait a second. What what are you accusing me of? They're the ones that thought they could do it on their own, so I just step back. Have you been falsely accused before of doing something unfairly? Church, it's been a beautiful season. I say that very sarcastically of being falsely accused of stuff. God is not being a bad God here. Would you agree? Like, they chose. To say, God, you take, you step back here and we're going to go do this. And so there was consequences as a result of their choice. Do you really think God desired that? Absolutely not. He was just saying, go ahead. If that's what you want to do, do it. If you're going to say, forget me. But he loved them enough to get their attention, didn't he? by withholding the rain by calling out Haggai and saying Haggai I love these people can 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 you um can you them right now can can you wake them up and challenge them to stop and think about what it is that they're doing unfortunately a lot of times in our lives we have to be flat on our back before we get to this place don't we We have to have some health diagnosis. We have to have some tragedy. We have to have some financial, um, you know, just bank account just goes, you know, bankruptcy, whatever it is. And all of a sudden we'll go, oh, we'll evaluate. But I think it's a great time to evaluate sitting in purple chairs right now. I don't don't think we have to get all the way flat on our back. And I think for some of us, it's just a little adjustment. For some of us, we're already there, praise God. And some of us, it's a wake-up call. It's just an evaluation time. Is God number one in my life today? Because as Michael North, one of our worship leaders, said Wednesday night, he says, that's a choice I have to make every morning. Right? Jesus himself said in Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, he must what? Deny himself, take up his cross daily, and then come follow me. See, I think priorities is a daily decision, isn't it? And, and for me, it's even multiple times throughout a day decision. Like I could wake up dialed in, and I could go to sleep all jacked up. <laughs> can anyone relate to that? You know, it's kind of like, right? And I see this as a beautiful thing of just saying God loves me so much. He just wants to make sure that we're good and that nothing's getting in between us. I think that's the key, and part of that is stewardship, isn't it? And when we've talked about stewardship, and, and stewardship's not just finances, which is a part of it, but stewardship is anything and everything we have. So for the Dentons, it's our house; for me, it's my family, uh, it, it's my truck, it's my yard, it's it's everything that I have uh, underneath me that God has entrusted to me. That's His. So before we ever talk about stewardship, we got to talk about lordship. Because if he's not lord of all, then I'm not a steward. It's my stuff. But if he's lord of all, then I'm a steward and a manager of his stuff. And then if he is lord of it all, then the priority of how I manage that stuff is different. And so in Haggai's case, he's like, I'm not against you guys building paneled houses. You need to take care of yourself. But you're doing that at the expense of my house still being in ruins. When I answer to the Lord, he's not going to say, Rob, what color was your house and did you take care of your lawn? All those those things could be used for his glory. What's going to make it into heaven is not my home or my truck, but it's the people that I've had impact with. And if that's true for me, it's true for you. Where are your priorities with what you're doing with your time and your money and whatever other resources you have? Why is it quiet in here all of a sudden? Give careful thoughts to your ways. And then the point three is this. Turn back to God. See, in verse 12, it says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, Joshua, son of jo- jo- Josedach, the high priest, and the whole remnant, the whole remnant of the people did what? They obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord, their God, had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Here's what's beautiful. I don't think you see this in the majority of the minor prophets that we've read, but just in this short little period of two chapters, we get to see God give insight to Haggai. Haggai speak to the two leaders, the two leaders and Haggai speaking to the people, challenging them to give careful thoughts straight away, way, reminding them of what's happening since they've turned their backs on God. And then it says the people obeyed them all in one chapter. That's exciting, isn't it, church? You see, the greatest compliment that I could ever receive as a pastor is not good job today. And and I appreciate that because I also get the, are you kidding me? But that's fine. You know what the greatest compliment to any pastor is? Is a changed life. That's a great, one of our core values is life change because we are not in the business of filling this house. We're in the business of having transformed lives. And can I just tell you something that's really whacked and exciting? Right on the other side of this wall is every new member's picture now for the year. Plus, you know, those that have gotten baptized. Uh, We're gonna be right at like 50 already this year. I think we've had close to 20 decisions this month. That's crazy. We we haven't seen numbers like that. It's crazy. But you know what's even better? I stood there uh, during the week seeing where every one of those per- people were at because I do that often. But and I was like, I, I can't, this doesn't make it. No, this isn't right. No, just this, uh, this, sorry. So I, brought, Pastor Kirby got back into town. And I'm like, Pastor, you got to stand here with me. And we stood there and I said, where's that person? Yep, this one. 49 of those 50 people we know right where they're at and they're coming to church. That's exciting. It's not, oh, let's get all these people in here and then all of a sudden they're out the back door. It's saying, let's get people to Christ and let's see lives transform and be changed because of God's word. That is exciting stuff. And I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it excites this pastor right here because that's what makes a difference is a transformed knife. I've told you this many times. I don't preach for information. I preach for transformation. And here is Haggai. He got to preach, and they changed from turning away from the Lord to turning back to God. And if you're taking notes, write that down. Turn back to God. And in verse 13, it says, Then Haggai, (laughs) the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you. Why? Because they were with him. Then you go back to the bottom of the, the, the verse there. In verse 14, it says, They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. And on the 24th day of the sixth month. And you read on. And the people had their priorities straight. And God brought the rain again. There's so much I could say right here. But let's just stick with what God said. Give careful thoughts to your ways. Make him number one. and all the rest will fall in place. God, thank you. Thank you for the message of Haggai. Thank you for the message of all the minor prophets that shouts out that you want our hearts, that you love us. And God, we apologize for those times where we get out of whack, where we allow things to become more important than you. Thank you for waking us up today and challenging us to look at our lives and where you fall in all of that. And as we walk into this communion time, Lord, we thank you because communion every week for us is a reminder of what's important. Your son dying on the cross for our sins is beyond humbling. We don't deserve it. And yet, God, we say thank you. Thank you that by sending your son, you said to us that we are a priority to you. Thank you, God. As we take this cracker and as we take this juice as a reminder... Let it motivate us to put you at the top if you're not already there. Bless this time. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.